Good evening. How are you guys doing? All right. Um, it's good to be back up here for Friday Fire. Um, and I just want to start by saying it really is an honor and a privilege um, to share the word of God with you guys tonight. And it's not something that I take lightly. It's not something that I just throw together and come up. Um, this is really a word for my heart tonight. Um, so I, I hope it really blesses you. And um, yeah, it's something, honestly, that I'm kind of wrestling with. So I hope that we can enjoy this um, together. So before we get started, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and for the life that you give to us. Um, I pray that you show up and speak forth your words that you've placed onto my heart. Um, God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. And don't let your words falter today. Um, for all of your goodness and for all of your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so start off with a question, because in all preaching classes, they tell you that's what you should do. So <laughs> how many of us really enjoy a good story? Do you enjoy a story? Okay, so really all of us enjoy stories in one way or another. <clears throat> so when I was about four years old, the TV in my house broke. And I distinctly remember my mom carrying that TV out to the curb on trash day and leaving it there. And I have two older brothers, and so me and my brothers are like, Mom, when are we going to get a new TV? When are we going to get a new TV? And finally, she's like, we're not getting a TV. This is going to be a TV-free house. And sure enough, she never got us another TV, which, you know, is kind of a weird thing to think. Like, I grew up in, like, the modern era. How did I grow up without a TV? You know, we had books, but I really learned to enjoy stories. And um, the highlight of our week with, like, the whole entertainment idea was Sunday night radio theater. You laugh, but NPR on Sunday nights from 7 to 10 o'clock, old-time radio. It was awesome. They played these old shows from, like, the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Um, so I wrote down a couple of the titles. Anyone ever heard of Lum and Abner? All right, Fibber, McGee, and Molly. It's hilarious. Nope. All right, Jack Benny program. <laughs> Total silence. Okay, my favorite one was, um, my favorite one was called... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, which you guys are all like, what? And it was actually the adventures of an insurance investigator. And it was really cool. <laughs> insurance investigator. So what he would do is like throughout the entire thing, like there would be like a murder, someone like filing an insurance case, and he would have to fly there and he would have to figure it out. And he kept a running numbers report about everything that he was doing. It was really interesting and cool. All right, but evidently, no one else listened to it. But I figured no one had. But the point of this is that we all enjoy listening to stories. We all enjoy having stories. And I'm guessing no one here listened to these old-time radio programs, uh, which you still can online. Um, but whether it's listening to radio or watching movies or reading books or TV shows or comics or music or any other form, we all enjoy a good story. And it's not something that's unique to us. That's not something that we've claimed for ourselves. Like, if you look back, like, American Indians would sit around and they would tell their stories and they get passed down from generation to generation. Look at Greek and Roman mythology. All of that, we look in the, star we look in the sky today and we can look and say, oh, there's Orion's belt. And, you know, it's like the one that a lot of people know, the three stars in a row. Okay. And so there's actually stories behind all of these things. There's actually stories behind it. Um, even Aesop's fables come down from ancient Greece. And um, 
Even the Old Testament, at first, when it was done, was an oral tradition. When it was first given, it was just, you know, I would tell my kids, and they would tell their kids, and they would tell their kids, and it was preserved. And actually, the ways that the Jewish people preserved it, that it's each and every word. If you forget one, you have to go back, and you do it all over again. That way, you remember it perfectly. Um, And so, uh, just a little bit of history on the Old Testament, just because I find it really interesting, and I hope you guys will too. Um, we had, we've had our full Old Testament. Um, it was used from the manuscripts, which is the writing down of the Hebrew Bible from about 500 AD. That was like our oldest things. And then in the 1950s, Dead Sea Scrolls were found. And it brings us back. Yeah, Rona, my one like nerdy historian over here with this. Um, so 1950, Dead Sea Scrolls are found. Um, it gives us manuscripts from about 250 BC. So we're talking about 750 years difference. That's the oldest one that was found amongst the Dead Sea Scrolls. And in 750 years, there's probably a lot of changes, right? There's a lot of differences. There's a lot of problems that come up. Actually, not at all. What they found was that almost everything, if it was changed, it was like one vowel or one small little thing that doesn't really make a difference in the actual translation. It's just another wording or another phrasing that was used. So for 750 years at least, we can document the history of these stories being preserved. So what does it matter if a story needs to be preserved this detailed, in this, with this much rigor? It must be something serious. It must be something that we can use, something that's true. And so all of that to say, stories are a way that we preserve culture and we share truth. Okay? Um, I want to tell you a story tonight about something that happened after Moses died. Um, I know we can just open up our Bibles and read it, but let's practice enjoying a story. So um, I had a, my youth pastor was the first person who really trained me in preaching. He said, if you can tell a story, you can preach. So I'm not necessarily the best storyteller, but I would like to tell this one. Um, So you can just listen and we'll open our Bibles in a little bit. If you were here last time, I couldn't figure out how to get water. So just to catch up on why everyone laughed. Okay, so after Moses died and Moses had led the people out of Egypt, he had sent people to go spy out the land. But the spies had come back and said, we can't go into the land. There's giants there. No matter what, we can't do it. And so Moses said, okay, well, we can't do it. And God got angry at him and said, okay, well, then you're not going to go into the promised land. The people of Israel will go after you die. So after Moses died, it was time for the people of Israel to go into the promised land. They'd been wandering through the desert for 40 years because they didn't believe God when, they, when he had told them that you should go in. So finally, the time had come for them to go. And they sent in spies who came back with a favorable report this time. God gave them everything they needed to be able to go in the land and take it for their own. But there was still something in the way. They needed to cross the Jordan River. They camped next to the Jordan River for three days before Joshua sent the officers to the people to tell them, to tell all of the people, that when they saw the Ark of the Covenant carried by priests going past, then they should follow it. You see, God had told Joshua to get one man from each tribe to go with the Ark and stand in the Jordan River. God promised that the river would stop flowing so that the people could walk through it on dry land. And if the people of Israel crossed on dry land, it would stand as an assurance from God 
that he would give them the land they were going into. So when the Ark of the Covenant went past the people, being carried by the priest and accompanied by 12 men, one from each tribe, all of the people followed it. And when the men stood in the river with the Ark, the river stopped flowing so that the people could walk across on dry land. After all of the people had crossed the river, Joshua sent the 12 men into the center of the river where the priests were standing to pick up 12 stones. These 12 stones were brought to the side of the river to stand as a monument to what God had done for the people of Israel that day. He had brought them into the land that he had promised for them. So God had made this promise. God had said, you will go into this land. This is what I'm giving you. I've promised it. You've waited 40 years. You've suffered. And it's time. You're going to go in. You're going to receive the promised blessing that I've given you. And so then they just, all they have to do is walk. And they walk straight into that river. And all of the people with faith, they're walking towards a rushing river. And everyone, all of the people of Israel follow. And they walk. And as the Ark of the Covenant goes, and as the one man from each of the 12 tribes goes and stands in the river, everyone from Israel is able to pass through. This wasn't just a story that they were telling to their children. This isn't just a story of, well, this would be cool. Maybe God could help us. This is an actual thing that happened. And in order for them to remember it, they didn't just let it happen and let it go. What they did is they said, okay, we need to do something to be able to remember. We need to do something so that other people will be able to know what's going on. So go and get 12 stones and we're going to set them up here and we're going to show them and people are going to wonder, why are these stones here? And you're going to be able to tell them that God is a God who fulfills promises, that God is a God who loves us, who's taking care of us and wants to be with us. Um, If you guys can open your Bibles with me to Joshua chapter 4, and we're going to read in verse 21. It's Joshua chapter 4, verse 21. It says, And Joshua said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, What do these stones mean? Talking about the 12 stones. Then you shall let your children know. Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the rivers of the Jordan for you until you passed over. As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. I'm going to read 24 one more time because I really want you guys to catch this. This is why they set up the stones. This is the whole purpose. So that all of the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord forever. So what was the purpose of the stone? What was the purpose of putting them up? It was so that the people of Israel would be reminded of what God had done for them, that he was someone who would fulfill promises, that he's someone who cares for them. It was a visual representation that would get the children to ask, why are the stones placed there? You know, you see these 12 stones in a monument. You're not going to walk past and be like, well, those landed there just nice. No, you're going to ask a question. (laughs) You're going to be able to see what's going on. You're going to be able to share the story of what God has done. So 
the stones that are there, it's not just a reminder for the people of Israel, right? Because the end of the verse says, so that you, so that the people of Israel may fear the Lord your God forever. Um, quick note on the word fear, and I know this gets explained a lot, but it's something that I'd like to explain again in case there's some who don't know. Um, when you're scared of something and you're terrified and you just want to run away from it, that's not this kind of fear. This kind of fear is a holy reverence that you have that means you don't just walk up to God and be like, whatever, I hate everything that you do. I want my own way. It's a fear that goes inside of you that says, I love you and I want to respect you. I want to honor you. It's a fear that drives you towards love. It's a fear that brings you to a place of wanting to be with him, not a fear that drives away. Okay, so now that we have that, so that we may fear the Lord forever. That's why we have a reminder, is so that we may fear the Lord. But it's not just for us. Because what if someone from a different tribe or a different people come by and they see this? They can hear this story and they will know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. It's so that also not just Christians, if I can use such a term, it's not just so that the people who set it up can believe something, but it's also so that other people can come forth and other people can know what God has done. Other people can know that God is mighty and powerful. This story isn't just a folktale that was told to children to keep them happy or entertained when there was nothing to do, but rather it was told so that the people would be able to grow in the fear of the Lord, grow in the respect for the Lord, and ultimately in love with him. It's a fear that pushes towards love. Um, When we tell stories, and I want you guys to catch this, when we tell stories about what God has done in our lives, we're setting up stones for people to see how powerful God is and to remind us to love him more. I'm going to say it one more time. When we tell the stories of what God has done in our own lives, we're setting up stones. We're putting up reminders. We're putting up things that people can see so that they can know how powerful God is, but not only for them, but for us as well. It reminds us to love him more. When we share our stories with the people around us, we push them forward. We propel them to greater levels of faith and love for God. God is always working in our lives. There's never a moment that God said, all right, they're doing fine. They can coast for a while. I'm going to go deal with this over here. There's never a moment where God is saying, you're fine on your own. Only I'm here with you. I'm supporting you. I want to help you. I want to care for you. I want to bring you to another level. I want you to come with me to a new place. There's no need for months of coasting, months of feeling like we're not getting there because God is always with us, always at work in our lives and always caring for us. If we keep to ourselves what God has done, we're wasting a valuable resource. We're wasting what God is doing by not sharing it with others. We're not helping others to come to faith. We're not helping others to come and see what God is doing. Yeah. So let me tell you guys a story. And I got permission to tell this story. But last week I was hanging out with a group of people. And uh, we all went out to the beach. And I was thinking about this sermon. Because God had already placed it on my heart. God had already really pushed my heart to say this. to, To remind us that we all have stories, we all have things in our lives that God is doing. It's something that's just been resonating and and holding on to my heart, and I want to hear people's stories, and I want to know what's going on with them. So um, I kind of was just like asking everyone, it's like, hey, tell your story. 
Hey, tell your story. So finally, one of our brothers was willing to do it, and we're all, like, cramped in this taxi, um, tiniest thing. Um, there's way too many. And he starts sharing his story. And as he's telling it, you know, all of a sudden it doesn't matter that the taxi is so, like, cramped and people are having to sit on each other and there's no room to breathe. All of a sudden none of that mattered because we had something good to listen to. We had something that we were enjoying. And um, while he was sharing his story, we're all just intrigued. We're all like, wow, wait, 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 go back. Explain that one again. How did that work? Wait, how many people are here? Like, there's so much about it. We were drawing out the richness of it. And as he was sharing, he even said, I don't usually share with this much detail, but it was because it was helping us to see what God had done in his life. So as we listen to stories, and as you listen to people's testimonies, and as you start to really enjoy that, you find yourself kind of waiting for the moment that the person's going to say, and then God. Or they're going to say, but God. So you can listen to these stories, and it's like the worst of the worst. And you're like, oh, man. And then it gets worse, and you're like, oh, my gosh. And you're just waiting for that moment. You're waiting because you know that there's going to be a moment where someone says, but God redeemed me. But God took me from where I was and brought me to himself. And you're just waiting for that, like, pinnacle moment when it's going to be said. So it's amazing because God can pull anyone out of any situation and set them on the right path. He's our ultimate redeemer. And by hearing the stories of what God does in other people's lives, it stirs up our spirits. It brings us to a place that we want to hear. We want to know more about more people And we want to live out our own lives in such a way that other people can hear our stories, that other people can see what God is doing in us and be propelled to to higher places of faith, that they're going to be pushed forward, that as we come together as a community and do it, as we're working with one another, God is working through us to love the people around us. Um, Just like the children who listen to the stories about the 12 stones, Um, It increased them in the fear of the Lord, in the love of the Lord, respect for him. Also for us, we grow when we hear about what God does in someone else's life. And when we share our stories, it enables others to grow in their faith and in their love for God. I notice this when I share my own testimony. I share it um, not really that often anymore, but I do share it from time to time. And I find myself stopping and thinking, wow, God was here in this moment, and I didn't even know. Like, I'll talk about something that might have happened in my life that I had originally thought, oh, this was really bad. Or in that moment, I didn't see any good. I didn't see any light. But as I share my story, and as I'm seeing it with new lenses, I'm seeing it with new perspective that God gives me, I'm able to see, wait, God was in that moment too. In all of those moments, as we share our stories, we can see where God is because he's never left us. He's, he promises I will never leave you nor forsake you. So he's been there for all of it. He cares for us in all of it. And he wants you to see that revealed in your life. I didn't have any of that written down. That's for somebody out there then. Um, So when we share our testimonies, people can claim it. Um, At New Philly, I know that not all of us here are from New Philly tonight. But we have a time actually built into our service. It's one of my favorite times um, where we share a testimony about someone in our community, someone that God has been working in, someone, you know, whether it's, you know, someone got a job in Sydney or 
Um, honestly, everyone kind of says, I don't know. But the F2 visa, that for me was like touching my heart. Nathan Mangson got an F2 visa. And um, okay, if you don't know what it is, it's like a foreigner who studies Korean really hard and gets 80 out of 120 points. And then they can get like three years staying without having a company like support them in Korea. And for those of us who are working towards it, we understand what it is to want that visa. And when I saw Nathan had done it, like being able to do it was no longer impossible because I'd seen someone who's done it. So now I know I can do it. And I know that he does it with faith. And so that adds to the faith that I have, that God will help me, that I'll be able to get it. So in all of the testimonies that are shared, it's releasing faith into our own hearts that we can, that we can build on and that we can draw from and that will propel us forward. Because the point is, the, one of the biggest things I really want to share with us tonight is we don't need to wait. We don't need to hesitate. We don't need to be stuck feeling like, why am I doing the same thing again? Why am I coming to Sunday Swim again? Why am I coming to Friday Fire again? Why is Sunday so long? Why don't I ever get lunch on Sunday? Why is this happening? All of these things. Maybe that's just people who serve. But why are we pushing through? is because there's something more for us. It's because there's a new level that God is drawing us up to, and God wants us to get there, and he's going to show us ways to propel us forward that we can move to these next levels. God is moving in our hearts. So after mission season, you guys know, people come back with testimonies, and they're like, I was on the missions field, and this lady, her leg grew out, or this lady, she wasn't walking, and then she was walking, and it was crazy. We come back with stories like this, of salvations in mass, of we were here, and there were 80 kids who just showed up out of nowhere, and we gave them sandals, and then they worshiped God. And it's like these crazy <laughs> stories. No, that actually happened on my missions trip. Look at Pastor David for... There we go, because we were on the same missions trip. You know, we go out on missions, and we come back with the most amazing stories about, like, like Cambodia came back, and the lady in the blue, and she, like, wasn't walking. She was, like, couldn't move. And then you see her, like, in the video, like, dancing, and you're, like, that's impossible because she was on the ground. She wasn't able, and now she is. So we come back from all these missions trips. And I love missions, and mission season is here, and you should get your applications in, because it's going to be amazing. Talk to Lisa Kim. We love her. So we go on these missions, we come back with all these amazing testimonies, and we celebrate them for a couple of months, and it's really good and nice and fun. But then kind of what happens? It's kind of like, I don't want to say it, but honestly, we kind of let it fizzle out. We kind of let it say, yeah, you know, Winter mission season was great this year. It was awesome. But three months later, we're still struggling with something that we used to struggle with. Three months later, we're doing the same thing again and again. And we're trying to push forward, but we feel like there's a wall. And honestly, we need to be able to push through that by supporting one another, by building up one another in faith. So what about in our own regular lives? If we can hear these testimonies from missions, what about in our regular lives? What about in our day-to-day, -day, walking it out with the Lord? If someone were to ask you, what has God done in your life this week? I'm not talking about last week. This week, since Monday, what has God done in your life? Do you know how you would answer? Can you think of something that he's done? Are you celebrating the small victories that he's giving to you? Are you sharing them with the people around you? Are you building them up in faith? When you're not paying attention to the work that God's doing in your life, 
you're going to have no foundation to grow. We need to be able to see that each thing, each little bit that God does for us is just a step of growth. And that's how we get there. You don't run a marathon. Like, I can't go outside and run a marathon right now because I don't go running. But if you train and you go and you go, that's how you get through the marathon, right? So in the space next to our office building, there's construction workers that have been working on that building, you know, building it. Um, But when they started, they didn't think, I'm going to put the roof up there first because the roof is the easier part. They didn't, you can't start with a roof, right? You have to start with foundation. So in order to build a foundation, they had to start digging. You have to dig deep if you're going to have a tall building, right? You need a solid foundation. And for Christians, that solid foundation is the word of God. For us, our solid foundation must be the word of God. It is firm and it's steady. We must root ourselves in the word of God. In order to do that, because it's one thing to say, all right, be rooted in the word. Okay, but how? Um, Earlier this year, our sister Lisa, again, said, the Bible is not a Christian accessory. The Bible is not a Christian accessory. And that just hit my heart. Because how many times do you hear about, oh, you know, oh, my Bible's in my backpack, or I'm carrying it around, or you just have it with you, or you want to make it look good so you, like, flip through all the pages so it looks like you read the whole thing, (laughs) or (laughs) you're highlighting... I might have had a weird high school face. (laughs) Anyway, I became a Christian a bit later in my life, so I didn't really know. That's a really long story for a different time. Okay. But you carry it around, right? How many times have you carried your Bible all day and not opened it? I mean, how many times? You have that app on your phone, you're on the subway, you're like, what's going on on Facebook? Nothing new. There's nothing on my phone. Really? Because the word of God is on your phone. You know, how hard is it to open it and read a verse? Because honestly, I can read an entire novel and it's fine. But if I read like a paragraph of the word of God, my heart is stirred up. I'm energized. I feel like I can conquer an entire day. And that's nothing that I can get from any other reading, right? We must be rooted in the word of God. Um, We must read it. We must let it guide and direct our lives. Um, and then there's a theologian, he says, we must read the Bible and then we must let the Bible read us. We must read the Bible and then we must let the Bible read us. And what this means is it must guide and direct us. It, it should show how we live out our lives. The Bible is the living word of God and the spirit will reveal it to us. So if you look at a tree, um, Trees also have deep roots. But when it first comes out of the ground, it's not, you're not going to see like an entire elm tree, you know, like this thick. You're not going to see an entire elm tree just like, like right out of the ground, right? What first comes out is just a small stick in the ground. And so that stick is like the core, right? And then to build on that, it builds rings around it. And that's how a tree grows. It doesn't start huge and just go taller. It starts thin and grows out. Okay, so can I start, if I were a tree, would I be able to start out and work in? It's not going to happen. You have to start in and work out. You need to have a solid core, solid foundation of where you're going. In order to grow, we must build on what we already have. 
And to do that, we have to sit and reflect. You know, we have, we're rooted in the word. We're growing in the word. We must reflect on what God has done for us. God has chosen us. He comes to us and he works our lives for his glory. You know, every single good thing comes from God. You know, that's in scripture. Every good thing comes from God. And I thought about this one time when I was at um, Everland with some of my former youth kids. Because I love roller coasters. I think that they're so much fun, especially the ones that rock and like flip. I love it. I think it's really fun. I was like, this is fun. Fun is something good. Everything good comes from God. How does this work? And so I realized that it gives me joy. And who's the root of all joy? That can only be God. So even if it's something silly like that, anything that reflects joy, goodness, peace, grace, these are all things that are reflecting from what God has done. So when you're looking for God in your life, look for the things that reflect the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Look for things that reflect that, and I promise you're going to find God behind it. You're going to see where he is, and you're going to be able to celebrate. And that, if you were the tree, it's going to grow your rings more and more, and you're going to get stronger, and you're going to be more powerful. God is helping us out of these kind of situations. Um, When he brings us out of dark and dry times, um, he has us to share in his glory. So whether we share in joy or love, it's because of what God has done for us. Um, In 1 John 419, it says we're able to love because God first loved us. We're only able to love others, to encourage others, to share joy with others because God has first loved us. This isn't something that's only on a personal level. This isn't something that's just, all right, go and be encouraged. God is with you in all things. Grow in him. But this is something on a corporate level. And um, we also share stories about what's happened here at New Philly. And um, I'm going to use New Philly, even though there are non-New Philly people here. I really want to be sensitive to that. Um, But honestly, I've only been here since January. So I haven't been here for, like, these big events, if you want to say, from the past. But when I hear the stories about... Niagara Conference, or the only other one I can think of is Niagara Rally, (laughs) or you think about these other things that have happened in the past, you know, oh, that sermon that Pastor Marcus preached at the 2013 Leadership Retreat, something about the heart, you know, I hear all of these stories coming in, I hear about these amazing things, you know, I came in and everyone's like, Emmaus Fuego, and I was like, I don't know what any of that means, I probably mispronounced it, but... Oh, it was good. Nice. Like, I hear these stories about people who have been at New Philly or things that New Philly has done in the past. And it, honestly, for me, it encourages me to go forward. But there's something I kind of want to warn us against. So we need to look back so that it can propel us forward. We need to look back so that we can see where we were, to see the foundations of where we were, and to go forward from there. It shows us, you know, if I'm building It shows I'm on the third floor. I need to move up to the fourth. You don't go back down to the second and redo your foundations. You keep going. We look back so that we can be propelled forward. So when you look at New Philly, we've had three church plants so far, and they're all thriving. Look at what God has done, and it's amazing. I love looking at Itaewon and seeing how, like, honestly, much swag they have going on over there. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Like, you look at Seaside, and they just have fire going. Look at, like, I have 
a couple of sisters went down to Seaside and they're like, the fire down there is just powerful. You look at Sydney and the people that they're drawing in. God is doing amazing things. And as a house, we're going through what we're calling a church split. We're starting Hongdae. We're going forward. These other three are thriving. That's going to propel us forward. As we look at the testimonies of what are behind us, it's to throw us forward, to show us what God is going to be doing in us and through us and for us. We don't look back to say, man, that was a good time. We don't look back to say, wow, God was really good. We look back to say, God has done it, and I'm going to keep going. God has done it, and I'm going to push forward, and I'm excited to see what's going to happen. So when we remember what God has done for us, it pushes us forward. That happens for us personally in when we listen to the stories about, when I look back and the things that have gone on in my life, I see where God's hand has been. I see what he has done. It pushes me to the next level. It pushes me to go forward, to press in deeper, to be more committed. As a house, we can move in this same way. We can look at what God has done, celebrate it, and move forward. And personally, we can look at what God's doing in our lives Look at what God's doing in the lives of the people around us as they're sharing their stories with us, as we're hearing what he's doing, and it will push us and propel us into new levels of understanding and of love for God. Um, I I hope I don't ruin Narnia for a lot of people, but I hope you've read it. If you haven't, you need to go and read Narnia starting tonight. (laughs) But in the book, The Last Battle, um, this is by C.S. Lewis. (laughs) I don't know what just happened. Oh, it's a great book. Okay. So in the book, The Last Battle, um, Aslan, who based... Oh, my gosh. Pastor Joel, I hope that you've heard it. I'm not going to ruin it that bad. One of his biggest pet peeves is when people ruin things. Anyway, when Aslan tells them to, like, go into heaven, he tells them further up and further in. Further up and further in. And so as, like, the animals and the other characters in the story go deeper into heaven... Um, as it is in the story. As they go deeper, they go further up and further in. They're always amazed at each new level. At each new level they get to, they're like, I didn't see these colors before. Or was this as clear as it was before? And as they go further and further, further up and further in, they see more and more. And God becomes clearer and clearer to them. And that's what we are being called to. We're being called to go further up and further into who God is, both personally and corporately. God is bringing us to a new level. And if you can't think of anything, if you're sitting here and you're honestly this entire time been thinking, God is not bringing me further up and further in. God is not caring for me in this way. If you're honestly thinking that, it's time to come back to the good news because that's where we're all rooted. That's where we're all grounded. When everything seems like it's hopeless and God seems like he's forever away from us, All we have to do is look at the cross. It's there where God chose to show his love for us. He took our shame and our sorrow. He took the punishment that we deserve onto himself. And it's there that he professes his deepest love for us. It's while he's hanging on the cross, he's suffering and he's dying for us. And when we look at him and see him there, that's when we know that we are truly loved. That's where we know that God cares for us, and that no matter what else can come our way, God is going to always take care of us. God is going to always love us. We never get to a place in our faith or in age or anything where we're too old or too mature to look at the cross. We never get past looking at the cross as the first ring of truth in our core. It's there where we have our greatest peace and joy and love. 
It's while Jesus is on the cross taking away our sins that we know we're loved. He loves us so much that he's willing to deny himself and take the form of a servant and to die the death on the cross. It's the cross that's not some nice story in some old book. It's the story in the book that changes our lives forever. As we look at the cross, we're propelled forward into whatever God has for us. He promises to never leave us or forsake us. He proves that he truly cares for us while he's on the cross. Um, my prayer for what I want today um, is that we take the time first to remember what Christ has done for us on the cross and today. To take the time to think about it both personally and corporately. To look back on what he's, he has done for us. To look now at what he's continuing to do in us. And to take some time to acknowledge and to thank him for that. And the best way to acknowledge it, the best way to thank him is by sharing it with others, by sharing my story with one person, and then they share their story with another. We're going to corporately build one another up in faith and in grace and in love. As we look back, we don't look back with a longing for what there has been, but we go further up and further in to what God has prepared for us, further up and further into who he is in us. We look back so we can be propelled forward. Um, Can you guys bow your heads and uh, pray with me today? Yeah, God, we just thank you. First, for the cross. That you've loved us so much. That you came down and you died for us. That you loved us that much. That you were willing to subject yourself to humility. To live here as a human. And to die for us, Father, we say thank you for the grace that you've extended to us. We say thank you for who you are and for your love. Help us to encourage one another with the stories of your grace, with the stories of your love. Help us to encourage one another to grow towards you, to be propelled forward as we remember the things that you've done for us, to be propelled forward as we love you more. God, in your grace, hold us to yourself.